Hello, all you cats and kittens. Welcome to <laughs> ADD Masterminds. Are we are we still doing that? The cats and kittens? That has to do with that reality show I never watched, right? Yes, that's a Tiger King. And I think it's been long enough that it's like a throwback now. So I think it's okay. <laughs> it's a throwback now. So it's, it's not classic. like I'm behind the trend. It's like I am being... I'm being cool. In yes, some exactly. Way, like it's retro. retro or whatever. Speaking of retro. Yeah. Oh, hey, we should introduce ourselves. I'm Bridge Lipwatt. And this I'm the is girl. The girl. That's <laughs> her real name. That's that like her birth certificate. Christian name is the girl. He's baptized as the girl. <laughs> <laughs> so, welcome. Cats and yeah. kittens. And maybe some dogs. I don't know. Like whatever. I mean, it as as introductions go, it's very inclusive. You know, just it's cats and kittens. You know, Not substitute what you want. No, never. No. Hamsters. Hamsters. All of God's creatures come <laughs> Are together. Welcome here. <laughs> and let's ADD mastermind together. That's right. This is your this is your safe space to be ADD. Oh, I said safe space. Dang it. Okay. There's so many, so many like political things. Okay. So Keanu Reeves, yes. you wanted to talk about Keanu Reeves. I, I just can't get over that, you know, Matthew Perry in this book that I was totally going to read because mm. I love a good memoir. Uh, had felt the need to like dunk on him twice to be like you know this well, actor know died it, I, apparently it's two times in the book that he's like this one died and this one was so like um you know talented and wonderful yet keanu reeves walks among us and then a second time yet keanu reeves walks among us and i'm like barring the fact that by all accounts keanu is a delightful human being who like takes the subway and and funds children's hospitals and has suffered great loss like why why anybody why was that smart to say about anyone did no one read this book before it went to press did <laughs> did he not show it to his friends did he not have an editor like i just don't know how how eyes get on this page and don't go dude keanu's great or if you pick literally Richard Kind, yet he walks among us, like just pick some, like even if he picked anybody, what was the, what was the need for that? And he's now apologized, but it's yeah. the books out there. It's going to be there forever. I just, it was, it's just a weird, weird choice for I've me. I've never like understood how someone puts something in writing like that. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, no, I didn't read it before I, like even a tweet. I'm like, you didn't right. read that before you sent it out. Like, right. and I, I'd say everything I have put out there, I've deliberately put out there. Yeah. And, and, you know, and we'll get into like a little bit about troll sure. accounts and stuff like that. And I regret having any troll accounts, but like everything I said was strategic anyways. There's right. no point where I'm like, oh, I wasn't thinking when I said this, it's like, you yeah. read it before you post it. So when you write a book, it's like you read it before you publish it. Yeah, you, you spend a lot of time working on it. I just, yeah. I don't know. It's messed up. Yeah. And I mean, this kind of goes into like, okay, first of all, um, Keanu Reeves is an interesting one because I remember in the era of Friends, it mm -hmm. was like he 
Keanu Reeves did like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and he was just just a stoner character. And I remember around that time, it's like Keanu Reeves is now doing Shakespeare, and I'm like, that's such a joke. It's like, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't even. Know. I don't. What I don't light, think anyone's what ever claimed from he was yonder good. Yeah. <laughs> like his his whole like it's like it felt like he played the same character every time. And so Definitely. I remembered that like back then it's like, yeah, this guy's, you know, I would have written him off as a doofus back then. Sure. And so I kinda I kinda see where, you know, he would, you know, think of like Keanu Reeves as not as talented as the people that died. Okay, Not that so I'm like, justifying what he said. Like I don't Matthew think Perry's writing anyway. this book in like 1998. <laughs> like maybe well, in 1998, he, it would have flown. I think he was like, okay, so I, I haven't really delved into this, but I took it as he was talking about when those people died. He was okay. thinking, how is Keanu still alive, right? Okay. And so I think that's the framing and so I'm like the framing, <sighs> if I can frame it that way, it makes a bit more sense, but it okay. still makes him sound like a person who's very petty. Cause it's like, yeah. why would you ever okay, like, just don't talk about someone else's death and hope, you know, say this person should right. have died instead. Like, right. That's the very definition of hate. Yeah. And it's like, there's no reason for that. And it's like, why, why are we like this? Yeah. Yeah. No, someone had said that to me when my my grandfather passed, who was a wonderful, wonderful person. Mm -hmm. And, you know, someone who who knew and loved him as well was like, you know, I don't know. We just we saw somebody who was just not who was elderly and not doing well and not very kind. And he was like, this guy is still here. But, you know, your gramps has to die. And I was like, that doesn't actually help me like yeah. that doesn't that doesn't come across what you think it does. You know, just it's not it's not one or the other like that. But uh, I can I can see that maybe being his thought then of like this yeah. friend of mine and this friend of mine's gone, but this doofus is still around. Yeah. Okay. But and it's I love how like our image of Keanu has changed so much over time because now yeah. we look at him and you're like he's a wonderful human being. Right. And I'm like that's that's beautiful. I guess part of it too is like I I don't know why we are so quick to judge people, and as a society, you know, we decided. In the 90s, Keanu was a doofus. Right. And then in modern times, he's a saint. And it's like, will that change again? Because, I mean, look at Bill Murray. It's like he was a saint for such a long time. And now all this stuff's coming out. And it's like, oh, we're not going to see him as a saint anymore, are we? Right? Right. And it's like, I don't know. Like, we're always analyzing each other. Yeah. And I'm like... I want to learn to stop analyzing people and just love them. Yeah. I, I mean, did we just not know, I mean, not to harp on him specifically, did we just not know that much about him in the nineties? So we were basing it off of his roles and his movies and whatever. And now it's like, Oh, but he's a real person who eats sandwiches by himself on a park bench and becomes a meme, you know, like now we I, know that he's a good person because he's a person. I guess. But I mean, like, I don't, still don't think we know him right no, no. just like people don't know me right yes, and so it's like i am, you say I, you're canadian i don't know where you are. <laughs> I, I i think we make so many assumptions and it's like i can we i i love um i went to this uh william jennings lecture mm -hmm. and um 
I can't remember if I talked about this before on the show, but one of the things that he talked about, like a lot of it is about being a learner. And mm -hmm. it's like, how powerful would it be if someone said, no one listens like a Christian? Because it's like, we spend so much time trying to teach people about our faith because our faith is perfect in every way. You know, when in reality, it's like, well, what if we were willing to learn? Like people will listen to what you have to say if you're willing to listen to what they have to say. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's difficult though to form real relationships and be genuinely willing to learn from people if you've already decided you have all the right conclusions on everything. And so, yeah. So there's that. And then on top of that, somebody said, but what if somebody has these terrible points of view and they're just horrible people? What do you do with that? How do you like, I don't want to learn from that person. Right. And he said, well, why don't you start with this? Where are you from? And what did your mama call you when you were little? Oh, yeah. And I'm like, we got to get back to like recognizing the humanity in each other and just like get down to the basics. It's like, there's no reason for us to just like start categorizing each other. Hmm. And it's like, can we just like try to learn from each other and just try to love each other somehow, find our common humanity in whatever way we can. Like that, I like you know the history instead of just the person that's in front of you. They've got a long history you don't know about, yeah. you know. So just just starting there and moving forward. Yeah, no, and it humanizes everybody. Yeah, oh, I like that. It's kind of like maybe God intends us to be this way, you know, like where we actually can recognize the humanity in each other. I, I, well, that was like one of my favorite things from the Thomas J. Ord interview, which I posted today from uh, the Wax Museum, is he said the image of God in us is the image of love. And he's like, but it's like a capacity to love. Like that image that's in us is a capacity for every mm. human to love. Okay. And God is love. So he can never choose to not love. But we as humans right. can choose to not love. And we choose that all the time. And image of God is the capacity to love. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, it's written in your DNA. I'm like, that's that's a beautiful thing. And how often do we reject that? And then that yeah. just leads to ugh, gross. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Ugh. So I wanted to talk about pranks of the Bible. Oh, I'm here for it. Let's go. Okay. Pranks of the Bible. Okay. So I mean, okay. So I, I just okay, there's a lot of like situations where I okay, so I'm not I I'm not a fan of practical jokes. I think they're dumb. And I like to make fun of the idea of a practical joke. Okay. And I always want to talk about like, oh, okay, haha, I stabbed you. Funny, right? <laughs> and yeah. so I was thinking in terms of pranks of the Bible. Oh, I should have written down some of them. But like, I mean, you can look at like uh, Jacob and Esau. And it's like, yeah, sure. he totally pranked his dad by wearing like a furry <laughs> arm thing. Yeah. Okay. Big consequences there. I mean, do you want to go like, Abraham and Isaac was like a bit of a punk on that Isaac. totally was. Yeah, no, that Come was on. the one I wanted to talk about. Okay. It's like when God pranked Abraham. Yeah. Hilarious. It's like, I want you to kill your child. And then it's like, no, it's just like, kidding. Oh my gosh. I was going smaller with like 
when Jesus, they didn't recognize Jesus after he was resurrected. And he was like, he made like he was going to go a little bit further, like, mm-hmm. bye guys. And they were like, no, no, come stay with us. Or, you know, when he's walking on the water, he meant to pass them by. And then he got in the boat, like just little, little stuff like that. But yeah, Abraham and Isaac is the ultimate prank. Well, I guess Jesus being dead for three days and coming back is a pretty good one. <laughs> At least that one went positively. But the prank of the Bible. Punk X. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wish I had like a comprehensive list, but hey, this would be something, you know, if we That'd have any listeners. Together. Tell us what pranks of the Bible you think <laughs> you, are hilarious. What's your favorite? What's your favorite prank know of the Bible? Twitter. In fact, I will ask that on the ADD Masterminds Twitter account. I'll ask, what's okay. your favorite prank of the Bible? And if you don't know what we're talking about, you have to listen to the podcast episode. There Maybe you go. I'll, That'll make sense. I'll make it a thread. All right. I wanted to talk about free the nipple without uh, getting political. <laughs> but I, I understand. Okay, so we're talking about how, like, it is deemed mm-hmm. unfair that men can show their nipples in public but women can't right um and this is kind of fascinating because i i was talking to i was talking to um a young adult and they were saying um that breasts are not a sex object right um they're they have a functionality and to see them as a sex object is a fetish and I was thinking about, it, I'm like, that makes a lot of sense because like, I know that, you know, I can see them as sexual. Maybe that's my own sure. fetish. Right. But like when a woman's breastfeeding, I'm like, I have to turn that off right now. Like I cannot mm-hmm. see it that way. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's, mm-hmm. I am a messed up human being if I see it that way. Right. And right. I'm able to, like, I'm not sure. like, you know, and even art, like I can look at art and say, that's beautiful, but I'm not like seeing it that way. It's just, it's right. beautiful. Yeah. But here's my here's my beef, my beef with free the nipple movement, okay, is that these women are going to formal events and they're like, I am free my nipples. And okay. I'm like, I don't see the guys doing that. Like, we don't have like Brad Pitt. And it's like, I'm going to the Oscars, but I'm going to go shirtless because I got to show everybody my nipples. So I'm like, I don't know if this is like quite even Steven. Like, maybe they could do it more in a casual way. I... <laughs> Okay. Now I need a sec. I'm like, all right, I'll go. Yes. Like biologically, I think dudes are attracted to boobs because it's right. like the psychological, she'll be able to feed my baby type thing. Oh, is Which that what it is? That's I, really, I'm pretty sure. It's really sweet of guys to see that right? way. You <laughs> Thank know? you They're so thinking much. of the children. That's, right? It's but when like they fetishize that's, that. That's where it comes from, like from <laughs> caveman days, right? Or like liking like curvy you know is like she's you know psychologically you yeah. don't realize it it's she's got birthing hips she can have you know yeah. she can bear my children it's um, an evolutionary thing right um i can't remember what book i read about it but it was true um but the idea yeah okay um yeah there was an actress recently who went wherever and like the dress was very sheer and she was like whatever it doesn't matter but that's a really good point that I can't think of the last time I saw a dude on the red carpet. Like I wore my pants, but no shirt. I mean, it probably happens every now and then there's that sheer shirt, but like, no, I, 
in in a situation like that that doesn't make sense yeah it's just a funny uh, thing to like to, to have a beef with it point. on that angle like i'm like i'm not i'm not siding with anyone on this argument like, i'm just saying it just seems like it's not the same <laughs> so it's more right. of a like funny like you've, observation you've moved from equality actual... to like now i'm making a stink over it and is it because you have a platform maybe but yeah interesting people I... be silly didn't know where that was going when it started. Glad to to be the girl here for that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now we're done talking about nipples. Okay. You can unplug your ears now. <laughs> All right. Sunk cost fallacy. Have you heard this term before? Yes. I yeah. always find it fascinating. Um, and I never remember what it means at first. But so it's like just basically you get um, to a certain point in a project yeah um at which it's like you've invested so much into it you know that it's a useless project but you're like but i invested so much in it you gotta finish okay yeah i do and that with so, movies <laughs> no, sorry i do that with the movies you yeah. know like i'm an hour and a half in i gotta get that last 45 My gosh. um i do that a lot with movies and books like i'll start yeah. reading a book and i'm like no i gotta finish it it and takes a like, lot for me to put a book down and yeah. say i'm not gonna finish it, it takes yeah. a lot yeah so cost i mean how do we i think just knowing the term like it's mm -hmm. like it's one of those like if you actually have awareness that's probably the best way to combat it because you're like i could just stop this right now i mean you know it's funny because like this this week I've been like very emotionally drained due to some personal stuff. And, um, you know, I get up and I'm like, oh, okay, I gotta, I gotta do this, gotta do that. And like, you know, one of my family members is like, you know, that I'm, you're off. Right. Mm. And I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I am off. Maybe I should only do the things I absolutely have to like podcasting. You have to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's like, but I got to read my next, um, I got to read, you know, for my next podcast guest that's happening in six weeks. And it's like, no, I don't. No, no. I don't. Yeah. And so it's like, I don't know if that's sunk cost fallacy, but it's like knowing that if I'm actually aware that it's like, I'm off, I don't have to be doing all the stuff that I'm making myself do and just press the red button. <laughs> you know, right, it's like, right, I'm going right. to stop. And I need to reevaluate. I think when it comes to the sunk cost fallacy, it's the same thing where it's like, I don't need to keep putting money or keep putting time into this fruitless project. And we right. can do that. And it seems like there's something in us that says we can't do that. Like, is it just the, the anti-quitting, you know, mindset of... I mean, maybe if it's, if it's something that's the experiment of like, let's see, you know, how this goes, I have this idea, maybe it's just reached, all right, we gave it a try. Yeah. And this is where it ends. Like, is it okay to just stop and not necessarily call it quitting, but just like, just call it the end if you need to. Well, I think part of it too, is that like failure in itself mm -hmm. is something that can be worthwhile if you use it the right way. Sure. And so it's like, if you complete it to success, you've 
now wasted the entire time that you did the project. But if you quit halfway through, you can say, all right, I failed. And this is what I learned from the failure. And you actually build on that failure, right? You can then say, right. I learned something to another, yeah. by failing. Right. And so, and I, I think that's, if like, if we look at like how God works, you know, I've had some failures, like the last week I've had some failures, but I've been able to like draw from that and be like, okay, so what have I learned? And I'm like, I've learned that there's certain toxic things in my life I need to get rid of. Mm-hmm. And so I've gotten rid of those toxic things and I feel like a different person in yeah. a positive way. Um, and so I think failure is something you can learn from. And maybe that's what it is, is the antidote to sunk cost fallacy is to actually decide that failure is something to learn from. I think, I think, I think seeing... I you solved it. You fixed it. It's done. Um, seeing the time that you can get back, like maybe you've invested a hundred hours into something and you're like, well, I'm in too deep. Well, you can, you can redeem the next 50. If that's sunken cost, we can float, you know, cost the next 50 by not investing it in this thing that you know, isn't going to go anywhere. And then maybe put that into something else. You know, I think that's true with relationships too. Like there's some relationships that fail. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm talking friendships. I'm not, sure, I know, sure. I don't want to get into like, God hates divorce. <laughs> we won't get into that. No. But, um, you know, there's friendships that you're like, okay, well, that was a friendship for a season. Mm-hmm. I like, I wouldn't even say like, I think there's a sunk cost fallacy with relationships where you can be like, oh, but, but we, you know, we do talk every Friday <laughs> right, <laughs> or whatever. Right. And then it's like, okay, but like, should we be talking every Friday? Like this is, this is getting bad. Our relationship's not Mm. working. And so then you can like say, okay, like let's end this and then be able to say, okay, so these are the things, like these are the positive things that happened in this relationship that helped me. Yeah. And there's negative things that I've learned from. I'm learning, you know, I need to have boundaries. And so that's what I've learned from this relationship. Right. Um, But I mean, like, there were things that challenged me. And it's like, it's funny how, like, toxic people who are toxic, for whatever reason, I'm initially drawn to them because they're saying things that no one else is saying. And that's interesting to me. Mm, Okay. But it's like those type of relationships burn out over time. Where it's just like, you realize this is so draining to me. And so it's just kind of like, you kind of have that friendship with the toxic person for a time for a season yeah. and that season ends. And uh, I don't know. It's the weird thing too, is like, I was thinking in terms of like um, girlfriend relationships I've had okay. and every girl that I dated, she broke up with me at some point. And, um, and then like some of them were like wanting to date again. And I was like, no, you only get one chance. Like, that's it. Like, I'm like, you decided you don't want to be with me. It's over. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I I never, I never gave a a person a second chance. And I'm like, I don't know if that was, you know, a good thing necessarily, but I'm just like, yeah, no, been there, done that. Like, we're good. And so, and I think with friendships, it's kind of been the same way too. It's like, there's people that are just like, yeah, we just can't, 
can't hang out anymore. And I've never like revisited those relationships because they ended for a reason. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've had a couple of uh, of friendship breakups, and it's not like I weighed, you know, that that sunken cost at the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, that it was just kind of like, nope, here's a fight, and we're done. Cut cut ties. One or two, like one, I'd say that I was like, all right, we'll we'll give this another shot, and it still fizzled out. And, you know, so it was kind of like, all right, then that wasn't meant to be. We tried two times, you know, but definitely in the past. I mean, these were friends that we were very, very close to, like my husband yeah. and I were together, you know, yeah. like real, they were in our wedding, you know, friends that we yeah. were best, best, best friends with. And it took years before I was able to go, you know what? It ended badly, but I can see how it could have been worse if things, if we had stayed friends longer, yeah. it would have given the opportunity for other stuff that I'm like, we were, we were newly married when we all broke up. I'm like, what if we yeah. had had our kids? And now, yeah. you know, these little kids have these aunts and uncles that all of yeah. a sudden aren't coming around anymore. But yeah. I'm also now able to look back and go, we had so much fun. And that yeah. was fun in the time. And that was a great experience. And we had a great, you know, run. And that doesn't go away. That doesn't, yeah. that value's not gone. Um, it's yeah. just not here now, you know? So yeah. I'm able to, it's, it's tough. I miss it sometimes, but I also know that it's gone for a reason. Yeah. yeah. And it's like you, every person that we invite into our life changes us in some way. Right. And so, I mean, there's positive change that comes from these relationships. And then it's like, okay, it took its course. And now I can wish you well without me. Right. And I'm right. going to get on with my life. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. It's almost like they outgrow us. We outgrow them. And it's part of the journey. It, it happens, you know. Yeah. And... So, like, another thing. Um, there's, like, this phenomenon, which mm -hmm. is kind of similar to sunk cost fallacy, it's uh -huh. like people being wrong about something and then they double down with con when confronted. And it's like, we kind of have this inclination to do so. Yeah. And it's, it, it's fighting that. Um, and I, I see this a lot. Do they not yeah. get the wrongness or are they like, well, <clears throat> I I'm already, I'm already here. So I'm just going to double down and stay wrong louder. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of it centers around pride. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people who seem to invest a lot of their self-esteem in their beliefs. Yes. And so they'll have something like, let's, let's take a conspiracy theory. That's not okay. scary. Okay. So it's like Sasquatch. Sasquatch is real. And people try to disprove them all the time. And they're like, no, 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 no. I've been telling everyone, maybe it's a sunk cost fallacy too, because yeah. I've gone around telling everyone that Sasquatch, Sasquatch is real. And right. even though they've definitely proven that he physically can't exist, right? right Let's just right. say there was some magic way that they were able to physically prove physically he doesn't prove exist. I mean, it's like the whole theory of evolution versus creationism, you know, where it's like, okay, well, the Bible somehow people have read the Bible and said, the Bible says the earth is only this many years old, which mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't know. 
Like you guys just like traced it back generations and then you were like, okay, so this is when the earth began. Right. I haven't done the math. I don't have any interest in doing the math, but okay. <laughs> so then carbon dating, you know, yes, says that the around. earth is much more older and people are like doubling down because mm -hmm. they're like, no, no, no. This is how I read the Bible. And the Bible is absolutely perfect in every way that, I mean, all of that. I'm like, I, I don't understand, but okay. Right. Right. Um, and so they will double down when confronted because they've invested, they've invested their whole identity in answers in Genesis. Yeah. And so it's, I think it's just like, what do we invest our identity in? Is that cognitive dissonance as well? You know, yeah. when you're like, you know, just so invested in something that even when confronted with, you know, contradicting factoids, it's like, nah, I, that can't possibly be true. Just, just cling into it. I mean, when it's, when it's something that's so, I'm still stuck on Sasquatch. I'm sorry. I watched too many of those documentaries <laughs> and I love it. Um, you know, that because they believe it's true, like I can casually go, sure, there's something out there. I believe the Loch Ness Monster is real. I'll tell you, like I, I absolutely do, um, non-ironically. But if someone was to go like, look, we did this thing, we drained it and <laughs> she ain't there, it's not going to ruin everything. But someone that believes something that's a conspiracy theory that strongly believes there's that much of a cover-up, take so much takes up your trust of literally everything so something such just that could really shift your entire worldview Ugh. yeah well i mean part People of it too silly. like the thing with cognitive dissonance is that like it's been proven to be physically painful yeah yeah and so it's like people are averse to that pain mm -hmm. and i mean i think it depends on your personality type too because like sure. for me you know, being an Enneagram four, mm -hmm. it's like, I am my emotions. Yeah. And I love pain. Like I love <laughs> taking on other people's pain. Mm -hmm. I love working through my own pain in a yeah. way, although I'd rather work through other people's pain. Um, And so I am okay with living in this constant state of cognitive dissonance and being able mm -hmm. to say, there's people that think this and there's people who think that. And I'm like, I don't know. I like to weigh out both of them and say, ah, maybe they're both a possibility or, you know, right. and I'll live there. But there's other people who don't have the emotional bandwidth to do that. And so they want to just pick a side and yeah. they live there. Yeah. And I mean, I think it allows their brain to have resources to do things that my brain can't um, like day to day stuff. <laughs> <laughs> You don't have the day-to-day -day brain strength. I don't have the day-to-day -day brain. I'm like, the I big have stuff. To, yeah, I well, I mean, day-to-day -day stuff, I have to really figure out how to make all of that automatic because I just physically can't think about it. Okay. Hence, so, hence the ADD. Yeah. <laughs> I need like a certain amount of structure to function. Okay. And so like, if there's anything like, you know, the dishes aren't done, I'm like, okay, I can't think. Until then. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Yeah. And so, but I think other people, I don't know, I imagine for other people, that's not as big of a deal because their brains are like not debating everything ever all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. It's bad. It's bad. 
And so it's like, how do I, how do I take a break from that? And maybe that's what it is. Like on my days off, it's like, how do I actually allow my brain to not be doing that all the time? Because it is. Like how do you force quiet? Yeah. Complex calculations. (laughs) But it's like, I think finding, finding a form of meditation. And I think like, for me, like a form of meditation is just like, I go for a walk no headphones i'm not listening to music i'm not listening to podcasts that's brave just going for a walk yeah and it just kind of i guess slows my brain down a bit i might still think about things but it's just like i'm not as amped and so all right um mother Teresa was pretty cool she was a good lady i liked her um it was really interesting she said god does not call you to be to be successful, but to be faithful. And I was thinking like, that's, I mean, that's it. Like with what, like what I do, right. You know, in my, in my spare time, it's like, it's not, it's not about success. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm not, I don't know, like ADD masterminds, like we don't have a huge listener base but I feel like I just have to do this you put it out there you do what you're supposed to do yeah I just I think you know success is what we feel like we can measure to know that we're doing a good job and just so much of it is is handing it over I feel and like you know even the God gives the increase you know stuff from the Bible of just if Mm. you're faithful to Jesus he'll bring he'll he'll make it successful or just count on him to to tally that up like you do your part and he'll keep the books on, on whether it's successful or not. Well, and it doesn't have to be successful, right? Like it's, no. um, you know, it's like we were talking about, like, uh, I can't remember what it might've been Joyce Myers who was like Couldn't. at this event. And she's just like, well, you know, at first I wasn't a success. I only had like eight people in my Bible study. And it's like, so that's not success. Like to mm. have, eight people in your Bible study, shame on right, you. Right, right. You know, and it's like, no, 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 Like, Because someone I, I, somewhere has one or maybe two and eight I had would be one. a dream. Yeah. I, I had a Bible study that was one person one that person. would show up. And I was like, I just kept doing it. I'm like, I'm and you were faithful. faithful and God yeah. gives the increase. Absolutely. And so I'm like, yeah, ADD masterminds, way bigger than one. <laughs> <laughs> I've more than doubled my listeners more than double nice more than double uh since doubling your uh doubling your gender representation maybe yeah there we go (laughs) there we go yeah um but it's like i it's funny because i um i overheard a conversation where this guy was talking about like how this dude got a promotion and it's like yeah well he took on this promotion because he believes that every five years you need to show that you've taken the next step so that people can see that you're taking the next step each time. And I'm like, why though? Like, is this the track to become a CEO or like, what's the end goal? Huh. Like you're, you're living for your resume yeah, so that your resume shows job, every five years. You did something else so that yeah, you can get to like, something else. And I'm like, I'm just doing what I enjoy. I don't love that. That, that that hamster wheel nonsense. I can't, yeah. I don't like that. Like my, my 
boss thanked me for something the other day. And like, that was enough. I floated off of that on forever. We worked oh, me with too. Me too. That kids, made my and day. She was like, she was like, she's a really tough baby, but I knew you would have yeah. the patience for her. So thank yeah. you. And I was like, ah, okay, yeah. I was good at that, you know, but like, yeah, no, just to constantly to work so that you can move to something else so that you can move to something else. I can't, yeah. you know, that, that makes me itch. Can't do yeah, it. And I know a lot of people like that. Sure. And, um, I think like, that's where too, like having variety in your work helps. Cause like for me, my work has quite a bit of variety to it. And so I'm just like, yeah, I, I like what I do. <laughs> I'm not bored of it. Right. If I ever get bored of it, I'll right. move on. But like, I am not trying to impress anybody yeah. with my resume. Like, I'm just like, my resume is what it is. And right. Right. No, oh, yeah. If if you're bored and you want to make sure you go, move to something new every three, five, whatever years, sure, go for it. But to move just to move, no. So I'm going to say the best thing I did this week is I deactivated a couple of Twitter accounts that I have. Um, and one of them was like kind of a troll account. And I, I realized um, after being confronted about it, that like it's really an acting out of all the pain I have from not setting proper boundaries in my life. Okay. And um and I think like it's kind of in the in the realm of rage farming. And it's like, okay, this person said this idiot thing. And so I'm gonna attack them in a way that I normally wouldn't. You know, that the right, real me right. wouldn't, yeah. but this person would. It's a character I'm playing. And right. it's really challenged me to be, you know, a fully integrated person. It's like there should not be a part of me that I hide from the public. Yeah. And it's like, so being a fully integrated human being, if I see something on Twitter that bothers me, yeah. I have the option to either mute it or address it yeah. in a tactful way yeah. and learning like my own boundaries with that for okay. real instead of taking on this character that says the outlandish thing just to see what everyone's reaction is yeah and it was just the worst version of myself mm. and um i'm thankful and i think i still i still do need to go through you know, counseling and therapy to work on boundaries. But I feel like this was like a massive step for me is yeah. to like, because it's actually cleared up other vices. Like I have no desire for these other vices. Like my mm -hmm. dark side is yeah. gone. Awesome. And it's incredible. That's no, that's fantastic. I, I've taken to uh, just blocking a ton of people that I don't even really interact with just because yeah. I don't want to want to. Like yeah. some, I'm not going to get political, but some certain representatives yeah. and accounts that I'm like, I, I don't want to feel like I quote, like have to correct them. I don't yeah. want to feel like I have to, you know, be like your one brain cell is so lonely. Like I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to do that. I don't yeah. want to waste my time on that. I don't want to have to hear what they have to say at all. I don't want it to. So just a ton of people that have literally nothing to do with me or every now and then I'll see an account probably like your troll account that's just out there to be you know like 
mm-hmm. to start something or be mean. And I'm like, I, I'm, I don't want to ever feel the need to interact with this. So yeah. I'm just going to block everybody. And yeah. it's been great. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. just well, less. I think like we spend so much time talking about what we're against and it's like can we focus on what we're for yeah and so it's like i'm kind of tired of criticizing everything every structure every theology and i just want to find a way forward and model that way forward and i wanted to do that before but i'm thankful for that awful confrontation that Mm -hmm. challenged me to get rid of that part of my persona. Good. And it's like, so that dark side, that part that wants to attack now has to do that in public. Mm. Because I'm like, I'm not going to bring back those troll accounts. That's an immature thing. That's teenager me acting out. Yeah. And I'm like, I am a man now. I'm not going (laughs) to do that. A man. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Oh, so, okay. I, I like, uh, okay, when people talk about, like, you know, how somebody makes a mean, makes a mean something, right? Okay. So it's like, she makes a mean meatloaf. Or <laughs> he makes, let's be inclusive, he makes yeah. a mean meatloaf. There we go. Right? I just like the whole, like, what if you take it next level, right? And then it's like, he makes a mean meatloaf. And it's like, yeah, it's downright nasty. <laughs> It is so rude. Like, can we make rude food? Maybe I don't know. Rude food. Why is it mean? You know. Oh, there's like, have you ever heard about that restaurant where they're Meats, just like chicken cutlets, here? and they're just yeah. Yes. Oh, where is that? I can't. Is it remember. New York? <laughs> That's all of them, isn't it? <laughs> I can. I can. Say I love that, that I live you here. live so close to New York. I just yeah. like New York is just so legendary. I'm like, this is kind of fun. Like, I can much well no but yeah very close i was gonna say much like sarah palin who can see russia from her house i can see new york city it's right there but i was afraid that'd be political does she still live there i don't think she would ever leave alaska okay so i i like actually when we went on our uh, cruise to alaska Mm -hmm. um we did this like bus tour and it was the most depressing um tour guide ever yeah so the guy's like we're driving around this is alaska there's the governor's house and it's like okay and then he's like and there's the bridge to nowhere they spend all this money on it that's right yeah and then he's like oh my god that's right and there's the walmart he's like (laughs) eventually eventually this walmart's gonna disappear because this town is just dying and then he's like, so now we're going to go see the waterfalls, but enjoy them while you can, because they're going to dry up. That's awful. And it was so funny, because it was just like, this was the worst tour ever. And I'm like, are you wow. kidding? I loved it. I'm like, I, I don't want people I don't want people to be fake glowing about everything. I thought I was like so entertained. It was like the awesome it was just awesome. I want to know if he found that funny, like a character, or if he was genuinely like, yeah, we're all going to hell in a handbasket. Enjoy the waterfalls. He seemed genuinely Genuine. depressed. And <laughs> now I feel kind of sad for him. Oh. <laughs> well, we're all dying, so he won't have to be sad for long. 
I like how when people dude. say like gift, it sounds like gif. Mm, mm-hmm. Unless you say jif. Yeah. Which I don't like, but not to I get th- political, but like, <laughs> dude, because the dude that invented gifs, yeah, says that it's pronounced jif. Like I know that that jif is right. I just don't like. It. Hard disagree though, because we don't say graphic interface yeah, right it's graphic interface so i stand by gif now i'm thinking of giraffes though and that's a gif it's kind of interesting though uh, like even like pronunciation of things it's like it's so regional and it mm-hmm. differs between cultures yeah and there's like a certain level of like where we insist on people pronouncing you know things a certain way yeah is like trying to make our culture dominant without getting political <laughs> Can we just say that after every single topic? I know that's um, how I get away from saying with saying, you know. I love it. Uh, no, really and good. I I find it interesting when like two people in a conversation, specifically like in a podcast conversation, will say things two different ways and just keep going with it. And I again appreciate. I said this last time when when podcasters won't make fun of somebody for stuttering or mispronouncing or dropping a word, I'm always like, you're more mature than I am because I'd be like, ah, ah. but. <laughs> You know, the conversations where, uh, you know, one person saying GIF constantly, one person saying GIF constantly, and they're just going to let it go. That's just how we, we, we each say these things. You know, um, biopic and biopic. It, two, ta- two different ways, same conversation. How do these people just let it happen? Like, eventually, I'd be like, one of us needs to, to accommodate the other because this is making me too crazy. I have never heard biopic. That's interesting. I, yeah, I heard it. So it was some podcast and it was biopic. And I was like, is that not like uh, something that happens to your eyes? You know, when you get older? I don't know. It was like such an interesting word that uh, Thomas J. Ord came up with. And it was talking about like, I think it was like omnipotent. Omnipotent. Yeah, but it was like he came up with another word and I screwed it up. And it was so funny because I'm like asking him the question. And like, mind you, like, this is the Wax Museum. It's yeah. supposed to be the serious podcast. The serious one. Yeah. So I asked him this question. And it's funny because I'm like, the whole time I'm like, I'm talking to all these like brilliant theologians. And I'm like, I'm not a theologian. Like, I'm just <laughs> like, not even sure what to do with the Bible half the time. Right? Right. And and so I'm, I'm like talking to him and I, I say the word and I screwed it up. And then I'm like, oh, try this again. And then I said it again. And then I'm like, so he's like, oh, actually, it's a hard word to say, but I made it up myself. It's blah, blah, blah. And then he like explains the whole thing. He made it up? He made it up. Yeah. So it's like in between, like, okay. In between omnipotent mm-hmm. and like whatever the opposite of omnipotent is. I'm totally butchering this. It might not even been patent. It's like mm-hmm. omniscient omnipotent it was either omniscient or omnipotent um but he he said like so there's whatever the opposite of omnipotent is okay and he said like ammy so like between the two right and uh. so it was really hard to add that prefix to that suffix and so when i mm-hmm. said it i screwed it up twice and then i thought okay i'm just gonna make this a bit just and then he for- explained yeah, okay. the whole thing brilliantly. And then after that, I'm like, okay, one more time. 
And then I said it right. And he's like, good. That's the professor. So I was like, that's the the one like very, actually, there's a lot of comedic um, parts to that. It was a, it was a big interview. Like I was like, I was told it was a big interview by a lot of people. And so I was like, okay, I I don't think I was really nervous. I just tried to be super casual with the Mm -hmm. dude. I just tried to be myself. Yeah. All right. Um, oh, I like this. Instead of jumping into what everyone else is doing, mm-hmm. um, or instead of jumping into what everyone else is talking about and making a small contribution, talk about something no one else is talking about and make a big contribution. Well, I think that nobody could come up with a better example than how we opened the show with Keanu Reeves, which everyone is talking about, and then Pranks of the Bible, which no one is talking about. <laughs> <laughs> like, like we are we are the uh, the heads of the Pranks of the Bible field right now. This show is weird. <laughs> show is so weird. How do you like? Okay, so um, emotional intelligence—that's mm-hmm. a term that I. I really like. Do you have any idea what it means? Um, I always associate it with that marshmallow test that they oh, reference yeah. a lot. Like that that's supposed to be how you measure EQ is your ability to delay gratification or something like that. Really? But yes, that's what they that's what they say with the kids and the marshmallow tests and stuff like that. So for for me, I feel like if you're able to maybe name what you're feeling more and, and put aside what you need to and make a healthier choice for yourself. I see that more as an emotional intelligence. Like if, you know, a friend of mine's going through a divorce, it's a whole thing, but she is able to, you know, like we weren't happy. It's fine. He's finding somebody else and I want him happy. And I want my kids to have a happy father with a happy stepmother. Like that's, incredibly emotionally mature and intelligent to me but i believe it's like basis basis is the marshmallow test i could be wrong write in and let me know if we're wrong so you're kind of taking like an emotional maturity angle to emotional intelligence and i think of Mm -hmm. like i want to go straight to emotional intelligence is understanding the emotions of others like being able to read a room and stuff like that Mm, but you know perhaps it's both yeah, I mean, it could, it can be both. It can be, there's a secret third thing. Um, there could be, you know, a lot of, uh, of options uh, going around. But yeah, being emotional intelligence, I did go more emotional maturity, but uh, uh, dealing with other people's emotions is a, is a minefield, really. Very tricky. It is a minefield. Like, and I, I'm realizing, like, as an empath, like, you can, you can dose. Like, mm-hmm. I, it's like that whole like break my heart for what breaks yours Mm -hmm. and it's like you can take that too far when you're like incapacitated by other people's pain yeah and it's like you actually can figure out how to go only as deep as you need to be to be functional like to actually help that person like if you've got the baby crying and you're like a hundred percent empath you mm-hmm. start crying too. <laughs> right. Yes. And that yes. is silly. <laughs> so, so silly. So Ugh. it's like finding kind of that, that depth that you can go to, because like if you're cold and don't relate to the baby at all, that's not helpful either. Right. 
And so like I parenting is a huge thing in understanding like what level of empathy is appropriate. Right. What's going to be helpful, you know, mm. what might hinder their own growth. You know, I, I initially always want to, you know, take care of people and I've had to do a lot of work not to care less, but to just mm. feel less responsible Mm-hmm. for other people's mm-hmm. issues Boundaries. or exactly you know yeah. we, we had a friend years ago who was injured and I was in and I say friend it was someone we hadn't seen in several years we had been very close we hadn't really talked in a while you know but he was injured and I was like do I have to go like help like it, initially it, and if he had called me out of all people and been like you know I, I need you to help me out sure but my husband was like he has a family like he has friends and and we're not in that inner circle of people. So being able to just be like, no, no, my immediate responsibility is this. And then it, if I'm called, I will go, but to be able to go like, Oh, that sucks. And if you need me, I'm here, but not to initially feel like, what can I do to fix this for you? I have to drop everything to go help this person. I haven't talked to in two years. I don't know why that's something that's always in my head that I'm responsible for, but the emotional intelligence of like, no, they have people. And if they need me, they'll call me. I'm not abandoning anybody, you know, but uh, yeah, don't, don't cry when the baby cries. That's, that's very silly. Well, I think like part of it too, is like sobriety is a huge thing Mm -hmm. and like whatever it is. And like, I think for some it's substances for others, it's like pornography or it could be just like certain types of television that are like just mind numbing. That isn't really something you feel like is beneficial to you, like it's escapism, like any yeah. type of escapism, I think is something that can become a vice where you're not actually adequately dealing with your emotional issues. And so for me, I find when I have a period of sobriety, which I'm on right now, mm-hmm. I'm like a lot more sensitive and I'm figuring mm-hmm. out how to deal with that high sensitivity. Um, and like, I love... Uh, Susan David is like one of my favorite psychologists ever. Yeah. And she says, emotions are data, not directives. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the proper place. It's so good. Yeah. For our own emotional um, data. But I think it's the proper place for other people's emotional data too is like, okay, so how do we use this data to diagnose and like actually find a constructive way to move forward and part of it too is like to get used to the fact that emotions come in waves and we got to ride that wave out right right and we'll be okay i know it feels like you're gonna die right now (laughs) but you gotta ride it out just like the baby you look at the baby and you're like i know you feel like you're dying right now yeah but it's like we'll ride this out i will hold your hand as we ride this out together and i think that is that is how we come to healing yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I all of that. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh. Well, thank you, the girl. This was fun. This was fun. Thank you. Appreciate this felt it. more deep than silly. I feel like it always, you know, it always ends up getting a little little deeper than we expected, but yeah. Always still fun. All right. Well, Hopefully we'll do this again in a couple of weeks. Can't Lord, wait. Lord willing. Yes. And uh, once again, thank God Keanu Reeves walks among us. That's right. Take that, <laughs> Matthew Perry. 
you for listening to ADD Masterminds. We would love to keep you updated on what we're up to, as well as share some hilarious memes. We'd also like to hear from you. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram.